Hello, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of Hoopod. My name is Blair Beveridge, and I am not on this week's episode. Um, sorry about that, but I got caught in Canadian Thanksgiving long weekend traffic. I fumbled the ball, guys. I'm sorry. But you know what? Joey and Tierlin were there. They saw the ball. They dove on it. They ran it across the line. They spiked the ball. They did the funky knee thing, and they scored the touchdown with this week's guest, Rob Heinzreiter. Now, on this podcast, Rob talks to us about his love of sitcoms and, and improv comedy, as, as well as how he found Team Human and the most important thing in his life, his family. We're going to be calling this episode The Golden Butthole. You guys get new context on that. Sorry. Uh, and a little bit of an addendum. I'm not sure if I'm going to be streaming this Friday. I'm going to try, and I'm sorry, guys. I know I didn't stream last weekend, but my Toronto Blue Jays are in the playoffs, and they have Game 1 versus Cleveland this Friday. So if the game ends at a reasonable hour, I'll jump on Twitch, and I'll do some streaming. But if it doesn't, I'll catch you next week. So let's dive into it, shall we? Hoopod number 27 with this week's guest, Rob Heinzreiter. have the most excellent, the most wonderful, Rob. Hi, Rob. How are you going today? I'm good. How are you guys? Really well. So we haven't got Blair with us at the moment, but hopefully he's going to sneak in at the end, uh, just depending on what the traffic situation is like. So uh, I think I, I, I think it was just something I must have said in one of his streams and he decided I'm not I'm not going anywhere near that guy. So yeah, he, I get he's, it. He's I get very it. sensitive. <laughs> No, uh, for those of you who may not know or may be living under a rock, uh, Blair is Canadian. So they this past weekend they had the their Canadian Thanksgiving. So he's now he's on his way back from that, and traffic is bumper to bumper, unfortunately. See, that blows my mind that there's a Canadian Thanksgiving and an American Thanksgiving. I don't understand why you know we don't have a Thanksgiving. We don't have anything. I know we talked about this recently, but really. Any excuse just well, to have a lot of turkey, I'm there. Is that what you would well, eat? That's because at in Australian Thanksgiving, is that what the meal would be? I reckon our Thanksgiving would probably be a barbecue and beer. Yeah. I guess that's kind of like what Australia Day is. We pre- pretty much stand around in the sun eating shrimp on the barbie. No, not that. <laughs> <laughs> it's stereotype day. Yeah. Just be happy that Christopher Columbus didn't come invade your continent there, Terrilyn. What's wrong with Columbus? Isn't he like your hero? Oh, well, he, he, uh, he was no. until about 20 years he, ago. Then we figured it out. Yeah, like he pillaged <gasps> and no destroyed stuff. You're kidding. I didn't know that. Girl, go to school. <laughs> Andy wasn't that smart because he had, the reason why they call the area around... Um, you know, Cuba and down in south of Florida, the West Indies, is because when he came here, he thought he was going to India, which is the other direction. Well, see, imagine if Google Maps was around back then, because I swear Siri's always sending me the wrong place. So I totally understand that. Uh, that's true. Is there, just sorry, is there a cat? Whose cat is that? That's my cat. That's, Thank you. we affectionately call him Ryder Cat, but he's also known as Wrigley. I love it. He seems like he's hungry or cross or wants the attention either way. Definitely the latter. 
<laughs> You're so, talking to other people and not me. What's wrong with you? Well, this is very true. I know. I'm very, yeah. very sorry, little Ryder Kitty. All right, so Rob, tell us a little bit about... Um... <laughs> Go away. <laughs> I mean, I love you, but get out of here. You know what? I think every episode we have a cat make an appearance at least once. Yeah. <laughs> He uh, shows up in my streams most of the time, too. He'll just sit right behind me and look at me judgingly most of the time. Well, you're like a duo. You're like Hamish and Andy. You know, you can't have Rob without your cat. That's true. <laughs> most of my streams are a family affair. If my cat doesn't show up, my kid shows up, and sometimes my wife shows up. So it's really not all about me anyway. <laughs> so tell us a little bit um, about how you found Team Human. Sure. It's. I mean, it actually is a pretty long story that I'll condense, it goes back to about the year 2000, 2006, way back in the aughts. Um, yeah, I was a, a nine to five guy, still am, desperate to find something to keep me occupied during the day at work. And I started listening to podcasts. And one of the podcasts I listened to all the time was The Nerdist with Chris Hardwick. And he kept talking about Felicia Day, Felicia Day. And, and he also was on uh, G4, if you remember G4, the, uh, the actually, I love G4. Such a great network, especially in the early days of G4 when they were just like throwing out these random shows about video games. Um, and I'm thinking Hardwick actually might have come after I was watching G4. Um, but you know, I just sit, I could watch G4 all day long, you know, Arena. And I mean, eventually they became, uh, brought in Attack of the Show, and I loved Attack of the Show. And, oh, I loved that one. I, okay, okay. Yeah. Not to cut you no, off, but I, okay, I work in a used book warehouse, and the book Attack on the Show came through, and I was like, I want this There's book. There's a but, book? Yes, there was a book, and it had both of the co-hosts on wow. it, and I was like, I held it up, and I, I showed it to everybody, and I'm like, do you remember this? And they're like, oh my god, that's like the best memory of my life. Ah. Attack of the Show was so great, because they talked about almost anything that a geek would want to hear about, and... You know, I learned so much about things that I had major blind spots about, too. So it was really good. And uh, one of the frequent guest hosts was Chris Hardwick. So this is where Chris Hardwick comes in. And I learned about the Nerdist, and I learned about the Nerdist Network and his podcast and started listening to that. And throughout listening to that and also watching G4, I started hearing little things about Felicia Day. And at first I was like, eh, it's RPG stuff. I'm not a big RPG guy. The Guild was very much about, you know, Dungeons and Dragons and those types of, you know, the the mmos and i really wasn't a big mmo guy so didn't really catch on to it back then but the more i heard about it the more i heard about it i thought this might be an interesting you know person to kind of keep in the, in the back of my mind well then i heard about late much later tabletop and they had will wheaton on talking about tabletop and i thought this sounds like a really cool show so i started watching tabletop on youtube while i was at work don't tell anybody and um in watching tabletop, I would get the, Hey, you also might like this. And the show that it would tell me you also might like was co-optitude. So I started watching co-optitude and fell in love with Ryan and Felicia at that point. And it was like, you know what? They're playing retro video games, which is a big, big, you know, area of interest for me. And they're fighting and they're arguing and they're having fun and joking around. And it was really a lot of fun to watch. And, I could, you know, sit there and just start the playlist and watch it all day long. So Cooptitude was my first introduction to Ryan and Felicia and started to download all their YouTube streams and watching those while I was working. 
don't tell anyone. <laughs> and uh, it's all right. Today I had to do some receiving. I was watching Murder She Wrote while I was working. Don't okay, worry about cool. it. Okay, cool. I don't blame you at least. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but the nice thing about those is, especially some of their YouTube streams, they're three hours long, you can just pop it in and listen to it while you're working. It's almost like, like a podcast. So that was my first introduction to Felicia and Ryan. And as I was watching the streams, I realized they're talking to people while they're playing. And so I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. And up to this point, Twitch, I didn't know much about it except for the fact that people had been getting in trouble on PS4 when it first came out for doing bad things on it so i thought well let's see what twitch is like now and went out and started watching live streams and started chatting with people and i'm not shy and i don't mind jumping in and and you know getting into conversations and team human absolutely embraced me and brought me in and it was it was a very uh very refreshing experience online up to that point i had been in chat rooms and news groups and forums and experienced some of the worst and people and thought we'll see what this group is all about and nothing but uh, good people so i stuck around for a while and this has only been about i would say less than six or seven months i'm fairly new to team human so hey, me too. it's been a great yeah there we yeah, go yeah newbie twins for the win <laughs> Woo! so you're actually you're a mod on blair's twitch stream aren't you i don't know what he's thinking i i am not good with responsibility so I, I feel you. I'm, I'm not. I suck at responsibility, and in, in that sense, I'm like, someone says the word penis, and I'm like, ha ha ha, no. <laughs> and just, it just keeps scrolling by the screen. Listen, I, I didn't even know I was a mod. It was only that I found out a little bit later because I wasn't moderating anything. <laughs> well, Blair's I did the stream. same as Blair. Yeah. On my stream, I had maybe five people in there. I just modded them all. You what? You get a mod, and you get a mod, and you get a mod. <laughs> I don't care. Twitch, Oprah's right. for the win. That's right. No, but seriously, for those of you who don't watch uh, Blair's streams, you've got to get on it. It's hilarious, especially when he starts drinking. <laughs> silly Blair is the best. When oh, it yeah. gets to be about an hour or two into the stream and Silly Blair shows up, it's pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. It's hardcore entertainment right there. So, Rob, what do you actually do for a living? So, you're telling us that you're watching all these naughty things while you're working. Where do you work? Hold on. I'm not watching naughty things while I'm working. <laughs> not naughty I'm things. I'm just watching things that I shouldn't be watching. I don't want to. He's, he's naughtily yes. watching oh, things go. while he's there we The go. importance of grammar. Just in case HR. And I'm not even the writer yet. God. I'm I know. I know. <laughs> Technically, there's only one real writer in this conversation right now. Even though I have it in my name, it's Miss Thunder is the uh, writer here. I think it's your cat. I will say, though. I will say, though. I retweeted and saved the photo that of your pinned tweet um, of the quote where as when I when I'm writing my first draft I have to keep telling myself that I'm shoveling sand into the sandbox so I can build castles later. So true. Yeah. So freaking true. Yeah, not to sorry, we I'll go back to the question you asked about yeah. my job, which is thrilling. Um, but yeah, to, to to go back on that, yeah, the the quote just says right now you're shoveling sand into a box so that later you can make sandcastles and it is the hardest thing for me as a writer to get into my brain that stop trying to build the castle now just get all of the ideas out there and then build the castle later it is one of the most complicated or most challenging ideas and concepts for me to get past because i think that's common for most early writers what kind of things do you write rob 
I've done a few short stories that are hidden away because they deserve to be. Um, and I've also written a few comic book scripts. Uh, nothing that's been published, but definitely some things that I have that I'd love to refine and get put together. I actually, I'm, I've got an idea now that I'm uh, trying to get some humans together because we have a ton of talented artists in the community. And I think with you know a little bit of thought, we can put together a really cool uh, piece. And, and it, that's one of the hardest things about writing comic books is you can have a great idea and have a great script, but unless you have an artist, and in these days, unless you have the money to pay for an artist, yeah. it doesn't go anywhere. So, You know what would be cool? If all the writers and artists and Team Human, we all got together and self-published like a book of short stories of all the weird things that we just can't get out there into the world. That would be fantastic. There's so many great small projects like that. And just as long as we could line up the resources to print them and get them out. And, you know, we do have some distribution channels thanks to, um, you know, our friends in the human community. So, yeah, maybe that's something we should look into. I, I would love to see kind of like a spinoff. Like, okay, so you know how Felicia's book is. You're never weird on the internet, almost. And she talks about intimate things of her past growing up and, you know, like weird things. I think what it would be really kind of cool is for a bunch of, of the humans to get together and release uh, even like digital Kindle uh, volumized um releases of like just one simple short story from each person mm. of something in their past of like that just kind of influenced who they became today yeah oh, that yeah. could work too i think having yeah some uh mini biographies of the humans would be a really great read i would probably if we could and then if we could do an audiobook of it which is my my latest obsession is audiobooks that would be even better just to hear everybody tell their stories well, I think we might be putting a post on Facebook a little bit later then and put the word out. There you go. We are onto something. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so sorry, Rob. So yeah, what do you do uh, for work? Sure. Um, right now I am in marketing. I've worked in marketing for about five years. Um, different areas. I've worked anywhere from uh, financial services to an architecture firm, and now I work at a university. So lots of different uh, types of marketing. See, is it Before true, that, I, oh, sorry, just quick, is it true that marketing is actually getting harder and harder because, especially with everything popping up online, they're starting to say that we're becoming desensitized, so pop-ups are becoming redundant now because we just instinctively close it or use ad blocker. Is that, is that true? Is that what's going on? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Everything that, uh, everything that seems new and innovative is old and outdated before you seem to get a strategy around it. I mean, think of QR codes. At one point, QR codes were like the biggest, hippest thing. And now nobody uses them. And it's just, it all depends on what the people connect with and what they grab onto. And predicting that is very difficult. Yeah. I mean, because especially I have to market myself a lot as an author. It is just mm -hmm. so difficult. I mean, apart from setting a fad of crazy clowns around yeah. <laughs> there's not much left to do the biggest mistake most marketers and most marketing teams or companies make is when they try to go get everybody i think and for writers that's a especially true i think what you need to do as a writer is go get your people go find your people the ones you know will respond to your work 
And for products, it's the same way. Go find the people who want your product. Don't try to sell to everybody because it's impossible to do, especially in this day and age. But if you get a core group, then what that core group does is it grows and it tells other people. And, you know, it's 2016, but still the most effective marketing in the world is word of mouth. Oh, by far. The same marketing that was effective hundreds of years ago. So... Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, because, I mean, it works that way with independent tabletop games. Sure. Uh, for example, like, there was uh, there was one game a couple of years ago uh, that was just getting launched. Like, they had just, like, finished their Kickstarter, so, like, they were, like, releasing small bits to go and sell at conventions and whatnot. And I forget the actual name of the game, but it, it's kind of like um, you have to create some kind of, like, romance story with these kinds of flashcards. And... A friend and I got it at a dinky little anime convention back in Maine, and two months later, Bonnie Burton's talking about it on Vaginal Fantasy. So it's like, there's another instance in the same sense with with writers, even, for example, um, those who write for, like, say, the horror genre, they're actually attending, like, horror movie and sci-fi conventions, and they've noticed that more people people who didn't even know who they were because some of these people like they're you know they're, they're somewhat famous in their community already but they gain more fans because they they appeared at a convention and people will spend money at a at a convention right. <laughs> so like they see you they hear about what you write they're like oh i'm going to check you out so the next thing you know you've you've sold five of your books that otherwise would have gone unsold if you hadn't attended the convention because they're getting themselves out there exactly and that's what a lot like what you said a lot of uh marketing firms they don't understand that they try to do the like the traditional thing like oh a tv commercial oh we're gonna have a trailer it's like you you actually have to go out and physically show people what you're doing right otherwise nobody nobody's gonna care yeah the uh the phrase i hear is we we can never boil the ocean which you know means you're never going to you know set the whole world on fire you're never going to to get everybody but there are still too many people in the world of marketing that would love to be the one who says i learned how to boil the ocean and they keep trying for it and they keep trying for it and they make themselves crazy so that's my that's my soapbox when it comes to marketing i just i think you find your niche and you do that very well and you don't try to do you don't try to be everything to everyone yeah no, there you go. There. So there. <laughs> Free marketing advice. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So I saw that you're a big fan of Stephen King, which I'm so excited about because I'm kind of like a little bit late into discovering him. It's only been this year. I watched Secret Window just last week. Is that uh, one of your favorites? <gasps> or... Did you like it? Oh my God, did you like it? I kind of guessed what was going to happen in the first 15 minutes. But yeah, but I liked it. But you still it. liked it though anyway, by the way. Well, it was oh, okay, like okay, 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 it was okay, Johnny okay, Depp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for I, a Stephen King movie incredibly underrated yeah I liked it I, I didn't think it was his best but I did like it but I really want to see Misery and I'm holding on to it for Joey yeah so what Blair and Tyrolyn and I are thinking of doing is like obviously like we won't show the movie like but like we'll do like a live like <laughs> we're watching it thing oh. where we're wa- we're all watching it together because she's never seen Misery you, have you read the book, though? No, like I said, I'm oh. really late to Stephen King. Okay, well, here's the thing. The movie Misery, it's pretty close to the book. There are some subtle changes, but for the most part, it is very close to the it's book. It's one of the closest Stephen King adaptations that there are. 
Okay, and it's like 90s, isn't it? And that I, I swear, 90s was the best era of movie making. Came out in the 80s. Yeah. The, the, the late book came 80s. out in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, the movie came out in the 80s too. Did it? Did it? I thought it was 1990. Yeah. I thought it was 90s. Uh, That's it. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna look at this up. I can't deal with this. It's a good thing History there's a inter, there's a network of interconnected computers that we can check for these types of things. 1990. November 30th, 1990. Okay. Oh, okay. No, Miss. Uh, we're still coming out of the 80s, the 80s then. I, it was pretty much the 80s until about 1995. It took us a while. Yeah. If the three of you do that, I will be the first to download it because Misery is actually my first Stephen King book. And it got me into Stephen King only because, I mean, it was a good book, but I was in seventh grade. And they had it in our seventh grade library. And it was the first time I had pulled a book off the shelf that was uh, adultish. And I just got this book and I was looking around going, am I allowed to read this? This is in the library? And it just sucked me in because it was so dark, obviously, and so Stephen King. So, and ever since then, I've... Let's see, that's funny too because it was in my seventh grade library as well. yeah. See, like, it's kind of weird. I'm not going to be able to take it seriously because the guy in it, the writer, yeah, he is also an elf. He's elf's dad. James Isn't that right? Con- yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. god, right? I forgot that. But that that character is in publishing. So for me, I feel like this is just a prequel to Elf. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the Phantom Menace of the Elf movies. <laughs> So I'm not going to be able to take it seriously. Oh, just you wait till Kathy Bates show up, shows yeah. up. Then you will. Oh, she's like, incredible. That all, all the elfness will disappear from your brain. <laughs> I've been watching her in American Horror Story, and she's just so versatile. I feel she's underrated. I love her. I, she is amazing. She is. She... And she's the only actor in Hollywood that can even mimic an a main Islander accent oh, yeah. without it sounding oh, like some frigged up bullshit. Yeah. She, and she can do evil. She can do likable. She's just, yeah, really underrated, I feel. She plays Billy Bob Thornton's mom in Bad Santa 2 and the Red Band trailer. She is amazing. Just in the trailer. It just, I mean, foul mouth, you know, totally perfect for that movie. Now, I don't know if it's going to be a good movie. Bad Santa 1 wasn't terrific but i might go just to see kathy bates <laughs> so rob uh, you're a big fan of stand-up and improv comedy i think you should totally come to australia because once a month we have the bogan comedy games okay. and it's where we have to yeah we ha- we go on stage and we improvise just all this crazy stuff like nice. the things that come out of our mouths it's done me <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i it's very interesting we talk about these things that i was into and it seems like they all keep going back to a certain period of time and stephen king i was in seventh grade um you know video games definitely in that a time range stand up and improv are the same way because back in 89 90 was the comedy boom here in america when comedy clubs sprang up all over the place you had people like seinfeld and you know Paul Reiser and all these really, I, I, sorry, that was the second name that I pulled out of the hat, but um, <laughs> I mean, it was when stand-ups were really kind of coming into their own and stand-up comedy was huge and HBO was, you know, featuring stand-up comedy all the time. 
I was only 11 years old, so I really couldn't watch all the stand-up comedy that was out there, but I would watch as much as I could, and it was it was just fascinating to me. And I, if I had the, the guts and the material, I would do stand-up in a heartbeat. I also can't stay See, up that late, so. I'm, too, I'm old <laughs> and tired now. <laughs> do you think we're getting harder to impress as a society? Because I watch old stand-up comedy, and it seems to be just so basic but really really funny and i feel like these days when people whip out sort of the more cliche stereotypical jokes it's very hard to get a laugh so what do you think that is with society is it just that we've seen it all or i think it's the saturation i think we've that there's a reason why comedy clubs are actually hard to find now it's because yeah people just aren't aren't as excited about the traditional forms of stand-up and improv has taken over because of that same reason because it's new and it's different and it's more off the cuff and people don't want to go see pre-written jokes they want to see stuff that happens out of the blue and see what happens and it's live and who knows what's gonna what they're gonna say so that's why improv i think has started to take off i think you're right it's just oversaturation and people think oh i've heard all the jokes and unfortunately if you go to some stand-up shows you have heard all the jokes it's really yeah, kind of sure. rare to find somebody who's new and unique these days. Have I mentioned on here before that uh, we actually have a George Costanza bar? A George Costanza bar. <laughs> yeah. So it's a George Costanza theme and you can get, you know, special drinks and it's got his picture everywhere and it's a, it's a George Costanza bar. <laughs> you just walk in and you're immediately frustrated. That's what that bar is. <laughs> Yeah, and you just have, immediately like, angry when you walk into the George Costanza bar. You even say, and it. every woman you look at, always the little things really bother you. <laughs> yeah, oh, I love Seinfeld so much. I um, was a big Seinfeld fan. I was a big Friends fan too. And I look back at Friends, and it does not hold up for me anymore, unfortunately. No, Seinfeld still does. I feel it's very timeless. I think Seinfeld holds up, but but Friends doesn't. Yeah, and I think it's I also was the never whole a fan of Seinfeld. I couldn't I couldn't get into it. I just couldn't. I don't know. I think because what it was was I was like around the age of like 8 between 8 and 10 and I would see him on and I'm thinking to myself, "You're on before my favorite show. Like can you just hurry up and get over with so that my show can come on?" But at the same time, you know, I'm not old enough to understand his humor. Maybe if I went back and I tried to watch it now, I might get into it, but as far as Friends goes, I agree. I'm with Will Wheaton on this one. I don't need to watch Friends. If I want to see a bunch of friends talk about how much their lives suck in a coffee shop, I can go anywhere in Seattle and watch a live reenactment of that unabridged, no-holds-bar happening right there. Yeah. What I was your it... favorite show after Seinfeld? Yeah, what was that? What were you waiting for? All right, Seinfeld was on NBC. So Cheers? I'm trying... What, what, I'm sorry? Cheers? No, we're talking 90s. What are you talking about? Cheers was on for a while. I mean, it was bad Cheers at the end, but it was still okay, Cheers. But, yeah, but I'm like, between between the ages of 8 and 10, that was like 1993 to 1995. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, still, 90s. Um, I can't remember right off the top of my head, but I do know that every Saturday night... <laughs> I stayed up to watch Dr. Coy Medicine Woman and Walker, Texas Ranger. <laughs> I did not expect to hear those. Oh, and Touched by an Angel. I stayed up to watch all three of those. When you were eight years old. Oh, I'm not even kidding. I was like addicted. 
<laughs> I never got into Walker, but the show I did watch was Nash Bridges. Not consistently, but I did watch it every once in a while. It was okay. I mean, it's it's a guilty pleasure, yeah. right? Sliders was my sci-fi. Sliders uh, was a great show. Choice. Oh, it was brilliant. Well, I've said it before, but it was brilliant up until season three. And Which it tends to happen. Gimli. Yeah. Sliders. When they all and, left. Like Warehouse Thirteen kind of went to the same way, or it went sideways at some point. And... I still want to start a petition to get a reboot of Sliders. I would watch the crap out of that. I love Sliders. Oh, I was watching Sequest, um, Deep Sea Voyage, and I was watching Mad About You. See? Paul oh, Reiser yeah. was a good poll for you then. Let's see. What was the other one? There was one more. Oh, Blossom. Blossom. I used to and... like Becca. Oh, God. Oh, and Fresh <laughs> Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah, I, I never got into to... that much. I used to recite the theme song to Fresh Prince of Bel-Air in middle school. Y'all, this is the story all about how. Yeah, don't stop me. It's a really addictive song. Yeah. <laughs> I would do it now. I haven't had enough beer, so. <laughs> oh, and Earth 2, that was another Earth one. Earth 2, that was brilliant. It only lasted for like one season, didn't it? Yeah. We used to. Um, and like, I would have only been about five years old, um, because my family runs a karate club. They run it in a different town about an hour from here. So it was on a Friday night. We'd go to karate. Then we'd come home, we'd grab KFC and then we'd watch Earth 2. And I'd usually fall asleep by that point. But there was something really, really special about that. I mean, it doesn't sound like it is, but as a kid, there's something really magical about, you know, you're going to get your KFC and you're going to watch a sci-fi flick and fall asleep on the lounge. We're just going to gloss over the fact that Tyrolyn's family owned a karate club? Or has that been talked about yeah. already? <laughs> uh, I think I'd mentioned it briefly when Ryan was on. Okay. But, uh, okay. Um, yeah, no, we still run it. But I'm more of the ballerina in the family. I'm too weak to throw a punch, really. <laughs> yeah. She just says that, <laughs> just folks. just get my but family you, to do it for me. <laughs> if you try her, oh. she's going to knock you out, so... The other one was Unsolved Mysteries. Yes. Robert yes, Stack. and that theme music. I used to get goosebumps with that music. Do you remember that? The ding, ding, ding. Oh, yeah. Like, and I just, now that, now that I'm looking it up, he passed away in 2003. Oh, that long ago. There was one that yeah, really... Um, freaked me out and I can't remember if it was on Unsolved Mysteries or Fact or Fiction there was a story of a woman who had her elderly mother and they went to a motel room and she ducked down to the chemist to get something for her mother because she wasn't feeling very well and she went to the motel and the key wouldn't fit and she went okay that's a little bit weird so she goes down to reception and the same person who checked her in was like we haven't checked you in we don't know what you're talking about and she says well, what are you talking about you've kidnapped my mother let me get into my motel into my room so they finally after a big tantrum she gets into the room and it's completely different all the furniture is different things have been rearranged and the mother is nowhere to be found and she just basically has to leave and she never sees her mother again and that always really freaked me out wow. did she fall into a different parallel dimension was there something really sinister happening in the motel but that's kind of stuck with me. <laughs> that sounds like a Stephen King book. Yeah, right? Tonight on the other Mysteries. Yeah, and then, then there was Rescue 911. 
Oh, I never saw that one. That was hosted by William yeah. Shatner. And it was all oh, reenactments. Yeah. Nothing was real. It was all dramatizations of these horrible events. And they were just the worst acting you would ever see, but it was still gripping. Yeah, it was real life stuff, like real, like, you know, you had to call for ambulances and stuff, Tyrolin. So think of how they're doing American Horror Story right now, and that's what Rescue 911 was. <laughs> oh, gotcha. <laughs> I never made See, that connection, I... but I'll, I'll go with you, Joey. William Shatner was hosting something that I saw on YouTube the other day because I went through a phase where I was obsessed with the concept of shadow people, and he hosts these little six-minute segments of um, paranormal things like shadow people. It's really cool. I don't, and I don't know what it's called, but you should check it out. Anyway, Captain Kirk yeah, has uh, gone to some weird places lately. <laughs> There's um, an, Im- an improv game where um, you, if you're just sort of walking or talking, doing whatever you're doing, if someone yells out Shatner, you have to immediately overact everything that you're doing. Nice. I <laughs> uh, love it. Um, all right, Mr. Joey. Do you think it's time to have a little look at our rapid fire? Well, before we do that, um, yeah. I do want to know a little bit more about some of his other geeky, uh, geeky yeah, passions here. Um, like Kevin Smith and Quentin Tarantino movies, for example. Yeah, they were uh, Clerks and Pulp Fiction. Those were all coming out about the same time as I was gradu- getting ready to graduate high school and Again, it was the whole, you know, the grimy, the the indie film really kind of was exciting. And the other thing I really liked about them, and I don't know if I realized this until later, was how much they used dialogue to tell their stories. And I think Tarantino probably does a more artful job of it. Definitely Kevin Smith is a little bit more, you know, abrupt in how he uses dialogue. But I find that now in my writing, I really like to use dialogue to get character and get get story out. And that's what they did, I think, brilliantly. And I think the first scene from Reservoir Dogs in the diner is one of the best scenes in movies. Movie history. Yeah. Uh, Tarantino's stuff. Um, I first learned about Tarantino when he was on Margaret Cho's show, All American Girl. He guest starred as the guy that he was, that uh, Margaret was dating, yeah. and he was selling bootleg videotapes out of his tr- out of the trunk of his car. Um, but the first actual film bef- I, before I actually saw Pulp Fiction was um, Death Proof from oh, the, yeah. the two Grindhouse movies. You had Planet Terror and Death Proof. Yeah. Because uh, they both starred uh, Rose McGowan. And Death Proof definitely gives you a taste of dialogue because an hour of the movie is spent almost entirely in a bar, the bar yeah. where the girls are talking. Yeah. yeah. Uh, definitely, he, he's, he's a dialogue hog. Um, although with, with Death Proof, it got to a point where I was like, can we get on with yeah. this conversation, please? Yeah, those two were not my favorite films. Um, in fact, it took me a while to even get to those. I think I probably didn't see them until they were out on video for quite a while, just because I could I could kind of tell from the look of it that it was it was him just trying to be the seventies noir, you know, the seventies um, you know grindhouse type thing, and I think he's better when he's not going in with an agenda with a movie. I think when he just has a story to tell 
and he's not trying to do something fancy with it, it's a lot better. But yeah, like Rodriguez's Planet Terror with with Rose McGowan, where like one of her, where she attaches a machine gun to one of her legs <laughs> because you know they had to chop it off because of the zombie bite and of stuff. Of course, like that movie, I loved Death Proof. I liked like the last half of it because yeah. <laughs> like that's where like the 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 car chase happens and and everything like that's where the action gets really good. Um, like don't get me wrong, I love dialogue and all, but at the same time, it's like okay, you're, we're talking about a guy who's a stunt driver who plays chicken and kills people with his stunt car, and we're spending an hour with all of these girls, just an hour in a bar, and all they're doing is talking. Yeah. I'm bored out of my mind. Let's get into the car and go. Yeah. And I'm a zombie. <laughs> freak too so i i did like planet terror more just because of the zombie element but yeah death proof i sat there with you joey and just thought is something gonna happen at some point in this movie yeah first 15 minutes of it totally loved it last half hour of it loved it that middle point though i'm like i'm so done which is weird because the movies he was trying to emulate with that i don't think tended to do that i think they definitely would get to the action because they had nothing else to show for themselves. Those, you know, those 70s movies were all about the the action and the blood and the guts. So it was weird. Yeah, because like Grindhouse flicks where they have little to no budget, like they have the opportunity to do a scene and they only have the opportunity to do it once. So if it doesn't pull off, they either have to come up with something else or they have to use with what they, you know, right. what they have. And many times, you know, you they don't have m- money to do extra prints, so that's where all of the, you know, scratches and dust and blips and weird-looking things come into play. Um, and, and I've always loved that element, and it's kind of an ele- it was kind of an element that made it into the Human Anniversary video this year. Yep, um, I saw that definitely. I could tell that. I I was so proud of that, but let me tell you what—that was the most fucking stressful <laughs> thing in the entire world. Oh my god! Like I would. I, it would be in the middle of rendering, and because the way that Adobe After Effects works is, um, unless you got like a super high fast processor, like it will it will show you like every couple of frames every five seconds, and that's when I see like a typo, and the thing is like ninety percent rendered, so I have to stop it, fix it, and then start it all over again. I'm just like I need it to be done. Yeah, yeah and then there's the point of no return where you're like, well, I've committed to this, and I really just can't back out on it now so we're gonna keep this we're gonna keep this effective it kills me i lost so much sleep and got sick it was oh. not even funny <laughs> well it was well worth it i mean for uh, I mean, we didn't get sick but i don't know if you agree that it's well worth it but i think it came out really well oh yeah it was definitely well worth it i just wish i hadn't been sick <laughs> yeah <laughs> makes sense no but i think tarantino and and again kevin smith now the latest the the few movies he's made lately I'll give him his credit. He's, you know, having fun right now with uh, the Tusk and uh, the latest one, Yoga Hosers. I think this is him just kind of being Kevin Smith and having fun in his later years as a director. But some of those early ones, I mean, for somebody who had no money to make a movie, you know, he made a couple decent movies. And I'm I'm a, one of the people who loves Mallrats. I know it's a it's a hot, cold movie. Some people love it. Some people despise it. I love it. I can always go back and watch it if it's uh, on TV or if I pull the DVD out, I'll sit down and watch it for an hour and a half. All right, Mr. Rob, are you ready for the rapid fire? Yes, sir. I sounded really Australian. That was really there. good. How did I sound? Um, I give it a 6 out of 10. Oh. Oh, 
bite me. <laughs> we can't all be like you, Terrorland. We don't all have a golden butthole. Jeez. <laughs> I'm going to cut that part. (laughs) I thought that would be the title of the podcast. (laughs) Golden Butthole. (laughs) All right, maybe I'll just leave it in. Only if if you're not offended, Terrilyn. No, I'm not offended. I'm sure she doesn't have one. If she did, she'd probably be offended. (laughs) Well, you know. Never Never mind, mind. I'm not going to go into the whole science long explanation of this thing. Anyways, all right, here we go. Favorite color? Uh, Blue. What is your favorite food? Ooh. Um, probably pork fried rice. Ooh, I don't think anybody else has said that. I mean, it's the one thing if I'm really kind of, if I have my my own, if I have the ability to get my own dinner, that's probably what I end up getting is Chinese food. What is your favorite word? I'd have to say basically, and not because I like it, but because I tend to use it all the time. And whenever I go back to recordings, I think I tend to throw that in as my crutch word. So I must love it subconsciously. Well, I mean, there are some people who enjoy the word like. And I've done that one. I'm trying to stop that. I really am trying to stop that because I'm almost 40 years old for crying out loud. And if I keep talking like that. I'm not a 16-year-old high school girl. (laughs) All right. Do you have any phobias? Uh, A lot of the humans know that my my one issue is snakes. I don't know why, but snakes get to me. Spiders don't bother me. Bugs don't bother me. Most of the other animals don't really get to me, but snakes. And my wife knows it, and she sent me a picture of a garter snake that she found in the backyard and even though i know it's not gonna hurt me it's a harmless garter snake i wanted to burn the house down no i'm the same way because with snakes like even a little garter snake or whatever it's like some people like if he bites you it's gonna hurt him more than it's gonna hurt you and it's like okay number one i don't want to be bitten period exactly okay and number two the reason snakes freak me out is because that when they coil back, they can spring far. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, like, they they literally act like an... They're like a living arrow with fangs. It's like, no, get it away. <laughs> yeah, and my wife's big thing is spiders. She hates spiders. And when I would go away on business trips, what she would do is if she saw a spider, she would put a Dixie cup over it. And I'd come home from these trips, and there'd be, like, five Dixie cups scattered throughout the house of all these spiders. <laughs> what are you doing? It's a spider. It can't... You're a lot bigger than that. Can't put a Dixie cup over a snake. Yeah, no. All right. Let's say you've just written a book about your life. What do you call it? I actually thought about this just from my life living in the corporate world and nine to five jobs. And I think the line that fits my life is other duties as assigned which is that sneaky little line they put on job descriptions at the end that tells you you are about to work in a place that has no idea what you should be doing and you're going to get a lot of crap thrown at you that you don't want to do. So other duties as assigned would probably be the uh, title of my book. Thank God I don't have to put up with that anymore. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I mean, I'm an auditor. It's pretty self-explanatory. There you go. go. (laughs) It's like... 
Thank you. Be like if you were an auditor and they're they're telling you, "Hey, Joe, could you clean the front of the building while you're trying to do your job?" It's. It... I'd be like, nope, because if you want more customer complaints, then by all means, sure, I'll go clean up the front of the building. But if you don't want any customer complaints, you'll find someone else to do that, yeah. won't you? Yeah, that's right. You will. It is a good strategy, folks. I'm too chicken to do it at my job, but if you don't want to do something, do it poorly, and they won't ask you to do it again. <laughs> Unless it's your real job. This is your actual job, and then you probably should try to do that well. What song is your current theme song? It would be a group of songs, and it's probably the first chunk of the Hamilton soundtrack. Um, Gosh, so many people like Hamilton. I need to check this out. Yeah, I've never seen the show. I can't see the show because I don't have $500 just laying around to buy a ticket. Um, 500 but, bucks. Yeah, I checked in Chicago, which is the closest place being in northern Indiana. That's about where we, that's our Broadway is Chicago. That's uh, where I saw Wicked. Love Wicked. Um, we've seen a few plays there. But I was going to take my wife to see Hamilton and cheapest or the, yeah, the cheapest seat I could find that was available was like 400 and some dollars. So are you kidding? I'm having some major deja vu right now. I think one of our past guests a few weeks back was having the same problem. Oh, I remember somebody was talking about that. I'm just, I'm blown away because we saw Aladdin in Sydney, which again, Sydney's our Broadway, which is not Broadway at all. And it was phenomenal. But um, we were in like row F, I think, mm-hmm. and tickets were about one hundred and fifty dollars. It's about what it was. Outrage. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. It's about what <laughs> it was. Probably for about three hundred for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. When we saw Wicked, it wasn't cheap, but it was at least affordable. Yeah. It wasn't going to cost me a house payment to take my wife to see a play. <laughs> well, that's the thing because musicals here used to be about ninety to one hundred and ten dollars, and that was reasonable but this year everything just sprung up to about 150 uh matilda was about 200 dollars. so i don't know what's going on lately but the soundtrack itself is great even miranda the the lin-manuel miranda who wrote the play said you can get the soundtrack and pretty much feel like you've seen the play which is fine Mm -hmm. because it cost me 15 dollars, and there you go um but the first chunk of songs all about kind of the the brash and and eager and up and coming guy uh, really kind of gets you pumped up for the day or pumped up for whatever you want to do. So if I have to say there's a theme right now, it's kind of me trying to get myself to that point where I can do all the things I say I'm going to do. What would be the hardest thing for you to give up on? Uh, um, you want the sappy answer? Go for it. It would probably be my family. Uh, it's That's in that, not soppy. It's, you know, it's, I mean, I could say my PlayStation, but I think that would be a little, <laughs> little Not shallow. now that you said family. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, but my wife and my son are, are 100% everything. And, and, you know, that's, it's very interesting when you have a kid and I know there's some humans who have kids out there and they'll relate to this and it gives you an entirely different perspective on the world. And you realize that there's so much crap that just is not as not as serious as you thought it was before you have children and and it's the old routine of you just don't know what it's like and you know i'm not going to be that kind of a person but i will say that definitely the stress i had from work took off the stress that i had from any other thing outside of my home just went away when i realized oh i now have a human being that i have to keep alive and uh i kind of like him so 
yeah, I'd say that's my, that's the one thing I wouldn't, wouldn't give up. That's lovely. What's your worst habit? Um, wow. Probably, like, I do interrupt a lot, which I try to work on. Um, are you part mainer? <laughs> what? Oh, oh! Main, I was mainer. wondering if you were if you were part mainer because that's kind of a trait with people from Maine. Like you'll be talking and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Remember? Oh yeah, and then this <laughs> because like it's not that they they're trying to be an asshole. Yeah. It's that they want to be a part of the conversation too. <laughs> uh, that that reminds me of this horrible first date I had years ago, and it was the exact same thing. And I couldn't actually concentrate on what I was saying because he kept going, "Yeah, yeah." Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I ended up just staring because I lost my train of thought. <laughs> I'm bad about that. I, I, I think I am so eager to be part of the conversation and I want to make sure people know I'm engaged that I over-engage to the point where I probably do the same thing sometimes. And I try to be careful about it, but sometimes I can't help myself. I get too excited. Well, today, today I think you're being good, so nothing Thank to worry you. about. <laughs> I will listen to this back and find every moment where I did it and go, oh. Jerk. oh never listen to yourself back i always say i just i can't deal with myself if i know my part's coming up on the podcast i will skip through it i worked <laughs> see i worked in radio for a few years when i first got, got out of college so listening to myself doesn't bother me anymore um i used to have to i would record the weather that was really all i did when i first started and i'd record the weather and then it would have to play back like four times an hour so i'd sit in the studio and constantly have to hear my voice booming around me and after after about you know a good three months of that every night you get used to it. Especially yeah, I guess you, you kind of have up. to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know what that's like all too much when you're part of an independent radio station online and you're doing a lot of voice work for various commercials and, um, you know, just little stingers and, and other things like that. And then you go on air and there's a 30-second delay. So, like, you go to, like, listen to the same stream back and you're catching the last 30 seconds of yourself at the same time and you're just like oh god why is my mic so screwed up oh god why is it doing this Ugh. yeah when i got out of radio it was really hard for me to listen to radio like regular terrestrial radio for a long time because instead of just enjoying the content i would pick up every little thing that i could tell oh they screwed that up or they messed that up and i knew how the bread was made and it wasn't it wasn't fun anymore If you could be a cast, one of the cast members of Family Guy, who would it be? <laughs> oh, that's a tremendous question. I'm probably Cleveland. I'm Cleveland Brown. <laughs> Can you do an impression of him when he's falling out of the bath on the second story? No, 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 no. That's really good. Thank you. I've got a couple voices I can do. I guess that's one of them. Oh, please share. Uh, well, I most people are well. Most of the, I guess what we call the BAMS group, the folks who follow like Animagus and uh, Astropath, w might remember that uh, we did a Mario Kart late night Mario Kart stream one night, and somehow, some way, the topic of Louis Armstrong came up, and for the rest of the stream the astropath and i went back and forth doing covers of song various songs as louis armstrong and it was it was epic it was a lot of fun 
I wish I had are recorded gonna... it for myself. Yeah, I was going to say, are you going to give us a little preview? <laughs> I'm trying to think of what the one that everybody got. Oh, the one that I got the most uh, appreciation for was my cover of Sabotage as Louis Armstrong. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Joey, what are your go-to impressions? Um, I can do Schmeagol. I can do Charlie in the Box and Mickey Mouse. Mickey's hard. Mickey's rough on the vocal cords. Huh? He's not that hard. <laughs> well, yeah, in like little in little doses, but if after you go for a while, it's gotta it's gotta hurt, right? I think. Yeah, and the funny thing is with Mickey, the only way that I can get into his voice is I have to do the ha ha part yeah. first, and then I can do it. I can't just do it straight. It's weird. Like the ha ha like preps the voice, and I that way I can kind of stay on the wavelength. Yep. Schmeagle I can do at the drop of a hat. Charlie, Charlie in the box, though, sometimes it's hit and miss. Um, I have to get, like, I have to say a line, and then it's usually, like, the second line in that, you know, actually sounds like something. Going back to the whole, you know, 11, 10-year-old me, and there's a theory behind this, which I actually buy into, is they, they say the things that interested you most when you were about 10 or 11 are the things that will carry with you the rest of your life. And one of the things I used to do, I had an old boombox. So an old state radio that literally had a cassette player and you had a button that you would just press and it would have a little tiny microphone built into it. And I used to do little uh, shows where I did voices. And because I used to watch stand-up comedy with my dad and he loved guys like Rich Little. And do you guys know who Rich Little is? Uh, I know the name. Yeah. Rich Little was a comedian back in the 70s and 80s. And really, that was about it. He didn't hasn't done much since then, but he did. Just how old do you think I am, Rob? I don't think you guys are nearly as old as me. But uh, <laughs> I, I get I get into the uh, the four the four zero range next year, so I'm trying to resist as much as possible. Um, but back then, but Rich Little is some people some people know him just from watching old tapes. Anyway, he was an impressionist, and he did a bunch of impressions. But he did old impressions, like he did Jimmy Stewart. And he did Ed Sullivan and he, you know, Johnny Carson. So I had all these old voices I could kind of do because I listened to uh, Rich Little. And so I would do all these old, you know, old timey voices on my uh, boombox and play them back. And some of them were really good. And I can't do them anymore because whether it's because I'm older and my voice has changed and I don't know. But I was doing old men impressions when I was 11 years old. It was very strange. Oh, and I just remember the other voice I can do kind of is um, the original voice of Satan from South Park, the movie Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. Nice. I won't. I won't make your ears bleed with that one. So anyway, is that the one? That the <laughs> one who was in a relationship with Saddam Hussein? Saddam is six. All you think about. <laughs> I love you. I love you. And they made. Yeah, they gave Saddam um, a Canadian voice, which was weird. I know. That's so weird. I think Trey and Matt really have a thing against Canada. And too bad Blair's not here to defend himself, but I know. In the... Oh, and then the the other thing is I'm not gonna bother with Charlie in the box because as it turns out, I don't know if this actually made it onto a hoopot, I can't remember off the top of my head, but Tierlin has never seen the Rankin Bass Rudolph the Red Nose Ranger. No, that's why I didn't know who you meant just now when you're like, oh, I can do Charlie in the Box. 
I will yeah, say I have deprived. I haven't watched it for a few years because every time I try to show it to my son, he gets scared. He's still too young to be able to deal with the whole abominable snowman part of it. So spoilers. Sorry. Well, it's that's like the <laughs> beginning of the show. I don't tell you what happens to him. <laughs> Luke Skywalker uses his lightsaber and never mind. Alright. And finally, last but not least, how awesome is Toronto Gal? As a fairly new member of Team Human, I am consistently amazed at how welcoming and just how open Toronto Gal is to bringing people in, making them feel like they've been part of Team Human their entire lives. Um, and, and not only does that carry over with Toronto Gal, but I'll you know, also throw some some love out to Lee Angeles. I mean, all the work that Toronto gal does and Lee does to maintain all of that, the social media and so much of that. I mean, I'm just, they do so much work just to give us something that we can go to and, you know, for a few hours out of our day, kind of escape the world, but they are doing hours and hours of work just for that. And that's super, super commendable. And so, yeah, she's quite awesome. But you guys as well, the who pod, Come on, take some credit. I'll stop. You'll make us flush. I mean, seriously, though, it's really amazing to see people do. I mean, I've been part of Internet communities and it literally feels like somebody might have just shown up and you know thrown a uh, maybe a quick Twitter post out. I mean, you guys really have a world that you're creating and it's pretty awesome. I definitely agree. I, I think hats off goes to. Blair and Joey, they just put so much into this. I mean, the hours Joey spends editing this, especially when my microphone stuffs up. So, no, I totally agree. You guys are awesome. The whole community is, of course, duh. You all rock. Agreed. Well, I mean, I try, but that's really all I can do. But you try, and it's not like we're all sending you a check every you know, week for your work. So it's pretty amazing to see people who are willing to do that without immediate compensation although that's the that's probably the gen xer in me well i mean because okay so with anything that i do when it comes to editing any kind of media whether it's an abridged stream for felicia or the who the human anniversary video or the who pod i get i become a stickler on details and if i think something's not sounding just right I will sit there and try to make it work for as long, like, yeah. until I finally can, or I have to give up and I have to be like, well, this one bit of, you know, audio is going to screw up and then we're just going to have to deal with it because it just makes part of the podcast the way it is and that's just the way it's going to be. Um, like, when I edit somebody's voice track, like, if this, if the podcast is meant to be, like, say, like, an hour and 15 minutes, I'm actually spending twice that amount of time on the audio track because I'm going through and I'm removing all the little finer little like echoing details and like chair squeaks and coughs and finger snaps and sometimes <laughs> you know, there's one too many meows in there and you're kind of just like okay cat we get it <laughs> I, I agree with you I try so. really hard to hide because I crack my knuckles. I'm really, really bad. So I try to put it under the desk so that way you can't hear it, but it always sneaks through. It doesn't matter because, and here's the funny thing about Tyrolyn mm -hmm. with her audio 
is every time that I get her bit and I go to uh, to edit it first, I have to amp the sucker up first of all, <laughs> and then even on the parts where it looks like it's quiet and you and it's almost like you can't hear anything. I can hear the tick-tock of the clock that I guarantee is either in the next room or on the, on the whole other side of the room. And even <laughs> if it's not like a blip where her fingers are cracking, I can still pick them up. Well, wow. funny you should say that because about 10 minutes ago, I realized just how loud this clock is. I'd never noticed until today. And I went, oh, shit, <laughs> that's going to be extra editing. I'm very, very sorry. Well, I feel bad because I've, I've been drinking a, a pear cider and I know a couple little, maybe tiny little burps might have come out. So hopefully you can catch those too. <laughs> no, it oh, just it's adds all to good. your character. Like, you should, that's fine. Like, okay, you that's want to know true. who actually takes the longest for me to edit? And that's Blair. <laughs> Blair is the one that takes me the longest <laughs> to edit because I have to literally spend double if not sometimes three times the amount of time listening to his track because not only does his chair squeak but one of these days i'm going to compile all of his uh-huh mm-hmm, yeah. uh i'm going to compile all of those you have no idea how many times he does it and it's kind of funny because <laughs> i'm just like like he's he's done that uh-huh yep uh-huh like five times in a row in less than like 10 seconds and i'm like i should cut one of those out yeah <laughs> You know, you could do He's like an auto tune. Talking about him. You could do an auto tune track of him. Mm hmm. Uh huh. It would be hilarious. He can't deny it. He does a live stream. So all that stuff happens on his stream, too. So it's not like you can't edit that out, Joey. Alrighty, Tyrolin. Yes. Well, okay. So I know you want to do some trivia, Rob, but Blair messaged just recently. And he said, try the sentence game. Now, what's the sentence game? Because I don't know I what he's talking about. I believe the sentence about. game is where we tell a story one sentence at a time each. Probably because uh, of the writer I thing. I do this with my kids, yeah. Not my kids, as in my students. No, I haven't got secret kids. Okay. Um, all right, well, do you want to give that a go? Folks, this is where we learn why I'm not published. Go ahead. <laughs> so, do we start off with a theme? Or do we just go for it? You just go for it. Okay. Once upon a time, there was a penguin who found himself in the middle of a desert. This penguin had four canteens dragging behind him. And this little penguin's name was Blair. <laughs> <laughs> Blair, the penguin, not knowing that it was best to uh, drink the water from the canteens, decided to just pour it all over himself in one big go and then realised that there was no water left because it was um, hot. So Blair took the canteens, tied them together and turned them into a dress. <laughs> One of the three narrators of the story becomes really confused as to how four canteens can become a dress. It's a penguin. It's not got a very long, got a very big waist. So it's kind of like a Hawaiian skirt. Kind yeah, of. like a Hawaiian skirt. I'm picturing something like a gladiator yes, skirt. Yes, very much like armor. Breastplate. So the little penguin Blair 
confused as to whether he was a Hawaiian or a gladiator, <laughs> <laughs> decided to walk and walk and walk and then he saw something amazing in yonder distance. It was a camel wearing 28 canteens in a similar fashion. Crikey, said the penguin. (laughs) (laughs) What are you doing out here with all those canteens wrapped around your waist? Uh, (laughs) Um, I don't know. See, this is also why I'm not the writer yet, either. Yeah, well, I I am a writer, and look, I'm sucking. Um, I'm already planning out the uh, comic book that this is going to be based on. I don't know, said the little uh, Blair penguin who was clearly hallucinating and he wasn't quite sure if the camel was real or part of his imagination. Um, the penguin asked the camel the question, Tyrolyn. So the camel would be responding. Oh, oh crap. Okay, alright. <laughs> <laughs> Ta-da! Game over. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, okay then, well that's easier. Cut out my other one then. This is it, this is the real one. Hello, said the camel. I can grant ye three wishes. What shall they be? Penguin said, I think it's obvious I would like some real clothes. The camel blinked once, blinked twice, and after the third blink... Asked him, but you are a penguin. Why would you need clothes in the desert? To which the penguin replied, Don't you see that I have a lot of white on my chest and I'm going to sunburn very, very easily there. So that's why I need clothes on my chest. Besides, I left my good tuxedo at home. Get it? The camel sighed. Okay. Oh, you're still going? No, I just thought that that would get better uh, response than that, but go ahead. (laughs) We'll put in canned laughter. (laughs) There you go. The camel sighed and wiggled his hump, rattled his canteen dress, and the penguin was dressed in a straw skirt instead of the canteen skirt and a Hawaiian shirt. There, you look wonderful, said the camel. But that took so much energy out of me that I will use that up as two wishes. So you now only have one wish left. Well, for my final wish, I would really like some water. And with that, the camel wiggled and jiggled his hump and his canteen skirt and... A bucket of water filled with ice, much like the ice challenge of 2014, dumped upon the penguin. Is that the end? I think it could be. We'll do one more rotation and then we'll end it. Okay. Now the little Blair penguin who liked to complain said, Brr, now I am too cold.
To which the camel said, You're in the freaking desert. To which the penguin replied, Just put one foot in front of the other. <laughs> Roll credits. <laughs> As he dances off into the sunset. Ah, <laughs> oh, there's no moral to that story at all. The moral is <laughs> writing is much better on a computer with the backspace button. <laughs> By never the way, go, never Jaren, go with for the record, draft. this is not what co-authoring is like. No, good. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, I think we're into the promotional section. So, Mr. Joey, would you like to go first? Uh, no, it's customary for <laughs> the guests to go first. Well, I don't know. I'm not the host. Oh, Rob, tell um, us all about you, my darling. Sure. You can find me on Twitter at Rob Hines Writer. Um, I'm on there a lot, more than I should be, but uh, I have a lot of fun, and I want all the humans to friend me and chat with me on Twitter. It's how I get through my day most of the time. Um, Twitch. Also follow me, twitch.tv slash Rob Hines Writer. Um, you'll all get to see me, and occasionally you get to see my five-year-old make fun of me while I try to play video games, which is a blast. Uh, and then other than that, just keep on the lookout. If I do actually get something published, I will send it your way. And on, on You the, will. So, yes. You will get published, Rob. I'm going to make know. sure of it. I yes. have total confidence that it will happen but uh yes just, absolutely just uh yeah stay tuned and if i you know start to get out there in the world i'll put everything on the social medias one more thing i'd like to plug really quick um i am a board member on a local charity it's just in northern indiana but some folks in this area may be listening uh it's called kate's cart k-a-t-e-s-k-a-r-t and their website is kateskart.org and it's a really cool local charity where a family who had a two-year-old daughter who passed away very young um, but loved to get books and loved to read books. They have started from a very small, just one uh, set of books in a hospital and now go to over 16 hospitals in the area and give free books to kids who are in the hospital, whether it's just a ER stay or a long-term stay. It's a great, there's no uh, compensation in it for the family. It's just something they do to help kids and families who are having a hard time in the hospital. We had to take my son in for a ER visit, got a book, and it just totally changed the tone of the, the visit, made us feel so much better, and he still has the book to this day. So it's a great charity, and if you're ever looking for something to, to give to or whatever, just want to throw that out there. That, that's really special. That's lovely. And if you ever want any tips or advice or anything, please hit me up and I'll do what I can so I can help you get out there in the publishing world. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And I will take you up on it. Awesome. Just tweet me whenever. All right, Joey. <laughs> nope. It's you, Cherylin, because uh -huh. I, I also have to do Blair. So go ahead. Take a deep breath. Get ready to do it. Tis thunder. Cherylin Paxty. See you around. <laughs> oh, there is a lot more than that. You forgot your at signs and where they belong. Oh, Christ. <laughs> uh, Tears Thunder, Twitter. Tyrell and Puxty, YouTube. Tyrell and Puxty. Oh, I couldn't even say my name properly. Tyrell and Puxty.com, uh, my website. 
Broken Dolls, um, which Felicia Day is currently reading, which is really, really, oh my God, I'm so honoured and flattered. Um, yeah, and Shattered Girls and Colt Harper next year, Down to Earth, ne- Oath next year. Um, and yeah, and I think that's all. No, there's still the Independent Music Awards. Uh, yeah. And Honey Roast. Yeah, okay. So in two weeks, I am walking the red carpet. The music Oz. Um, I thought it was only two songs that got nominated, but it turns out that it's three songs in four categories, which is really exciting. So one has made it into the top 10. The others are in the top 30. So wow. I'll find out if I win or not. Yeah, on the Wednesday, which is really exciting. But I'm just happy to be there. Um, honey roast. Yeah. That's, that's a lovely little community going well. So if you feel a little bit down, head over to honey roast and we'll perk you up with some nice words. Um, I'm still doing that human music group. We just haven't really sunk our teeth into it yet. We want to make like a human music video clip and collaborate everyone's ideas together. Um, I think that's it. I think I'm starting Twitch again soon when the MBN gets here which might be another 600 years. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think that's it. Now, is Fractured World already written or are you writing it now? I'm writing it now, but I can't get through it because I'm writing something else at the moment. And I've uh, currently, because I cannot sleep lately with the stupid daylight savings. I'm going to sleep at three o'clock in the morning. But even though it's been really bad, and that's why I'm a bit flat today because I'm so tired. Even though it's been bad for me, you know, energetically speaking, I've come up with some really awesome ideas. So I'm currently writing a TV script and um, not that that will go anywhere, but yeah, my focus is kind of on everything else at the moment, except for Fractured World, which is really bad because I have a deadline. But anyway, that TV script (laughs) is the Sliders reboot. Yeah, that'd be awesome. eh? But no. (laughs) All right, and because he is not here, you can find Blair Beverage at Blair Beverage on Twitter and also on Twitch as well as YouTube. Though, if you want the proper YouTube link, check out the link description in the actual podcast, whether you're viewing it on Stitcher or uh, whopod.podbean.com or through iTunes. All the information does get posted in there as well. He appears on. Uh, Basic Adventuring 101 as the Goblin Shaman. So he appeared on an episode... uh, I believe he actually may have had another appearance in there as well. Uh, But he shows up, I believe, in episode... Three. We thought it was originally two, but I believe it's three. I could be wrong. I could just be, you know, totally, you know, blanking right now because I'm having to remember so many different things at the same time. And Friday nights, he goes on twitch this coming friday i'm not sure if he will actually be on which i don't think he is because of the D game because he was on last week and so f- no he was not on last week was he on last week no he was not on last week no no he was not on last week because last week was D. before that he actually went on air okay so yeah this friday he should be on air on twitch he's been doing the mass effect series uh he's a little late coming into it but he's been enjoying it uh he also uh plays a uh, Spotify playlist as well. You can check him out drinking either some gin, some wine, water, who knows what he might be doing. For all we know, he and sometimes he even does costume changes. Like he dressed like a <laughs> skater boy at one time and it was like, "Oh my god, what's going on?" So, yeah, like he he like he'll get up right in the middle of the stream, like when Felicia gets up to go pee, he'll just get right up and just go change at random. That's usually silly Blair time. Yep. Uh 
So I, I think. Oh, and then there's also I actually had it up right here. Uh, Force Ghost, uh, which is another podcast that he does, which involves Star Wars. Uh, last week, uh, episode four went up with JP Rackith. On that podcast, they talked about Star Wars, his amazing skills with Photoshop, and how his parents lied to him about toy stores. So if you guys want to check that out, that's over there as well. Uh, all of that information pretty much shows up in the podcast as well. I am Joey Couture, <laughs> and you can find me on Twitter at Joey Couture underscore. You can also find me, that that's with Twitter, by the way. Uh, you can also... Every now and once in a blue moon, you can find me on Twitch. I haven't committed to a schedule to it yet because I'm doing so many things at once. Once my plate starts to get even half empty, I replenish it with ten times more many projects than I can shake a stick at. <laughs> because why? I'm a martyr. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can also check out my YouTube channel, Joey Couture. Um, Right now, I don't really have anything uh, new coming out anytime soon. Uh, possibly maybe doing it abridged. Uh, version of the Divinity 2 stream that happened recently, and you can also check out the Human Anniversary video that was posted a couple of weeks ago as well. Currently working on my own book on top of many other things, and I think that may be about it for me, other than the fact that I'm now 200 plus books in ownership and only have one shelf covering one seventh of my collection, so there is that. <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, I think that's it. Yeah. Joey be opening his own bookstore out of his house. <laughs> no, these are all mine. No, we get them. Okay. <laughs> However, uh, I believe once I have an entire paperback collection of the Wheel of Time, I might actually do a Twitch stream giveaway where, like, the grand prize is the entire uh, paperback collection, and then I might do some. Um, honorable mentions you might get like a copy of the first book uh because i think i may have the entire set in paperback now so i would be yeah, i'll watch out cool. for that because that is a blind spot for me never read wheel of time any of it that's right neither have i uh, <laughs> I'm, i refuse to actually start reading until i have all of them i know but you actually are aware of it though i wasn't even aware of it until i started hearing you guys talk about it so Big blind spot. Well, I wasn't even really aware of it like when I was younger. Like I had seen a book, but I didn't know that it was part of a Wheel of Time series. I just knew that I grabbed the book that wasn't actually the first gotcha. book. And then I was like, well, I'm not going to bother reading this because the f they don't have the first book here at the library. Um, and then when I heard that there was a series called The Wheel of Time possibly becoming a TV show, that was when I was like, oh, it was that book series that I was going to read but didn't because I'm stupid. <laughs> <laughs> that took a jump. <laughs> Yep. Well, that's another Who Pod episode. What episode are we up to? Is this like 20, 28? I think that was 28. 28. My well, lucky hang number. On. I actually have. I'm so bad. I have to actually check this. No, <laughs> we're, that was episode 27. 27. That's really my lucky number. Well, there you go. It was meant to be. No, it's not really. 27 is the age that Prue became a witch. Yes. So, ha wait, Phoebe was 23, wasn't she? See, yep. technically, technically I'm Piper because I have an older half-sister and I have two younger half-sisters. So, when I'm 25, I will become a witch. So, next year's the year, Joey, and I will have freezing powers. That's all right. I'm technically the middle child as well because I have an older half-brother and a younger sister. 
Oh, so there's still there's still hope. We could get our powers yet. <laughs> I, I missed my Hogwarts letter. I'm not going to miss my chance to become charmed. Just yeah. saying. Just saying. We'll anyway, <laughs> thank you so much, Rob. Um, as always, it was a pleasure talking to you, and I will see you more than likely on Blair's Twitch stream. Yes. And on Twitter. Yeah, thank you guys. This was a lot of fun. Awesome. Thank you so much. And to everyone who listens, thank you. We love you. And, oh, I didn't actually thank you all um, for voting for me because if it wasn't for you guys, uh, Felicia would not be reading Broken Dolls right now. So thank you so much. It means the absolute world. And, yeah, I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks. Bye.